Hello, and welcome to the Loft Podcast. This week, we will be continuing our God So Loved series. Get ready to have your thinking challenged and your faith turned up. Here's Lisa. We're in the series for God So Loved the World, and this morning, I feel like God gave me a good message for us, and it's called, For God So Loved the World, He Allows Transformation. God so loved the world, he allows transformation. And it's, it's amazing that the love of God can transform. You know, the love of a parent can transform. The love of a spouse can transform. There's, there's something about when you've been loved and you've been loved lo- a long, long time and you've been loved faithfully. It, like, creates something in you, something profound, something that's deep that is established, you know, something that you can grow with, something you can you know, build a foundation upon and build a whole structure upon the foundation of being loved and being loved solidly and continually and hard. It's, a, it's amazing. And so the transformation that I want to talk about this morning, some of it is just straight science, straight science. Look around you at things that transform. When I was first putting this message together and I thought, well, God, transformation reminds me of the Transformers movies. I mean, it's a little dated. It was probably a decade or so ago, but who, who doesn't know what a transformer is? You know, an amazing live kind of robotic thing that can turn into a really super awesome car, you know, in about a second or a couple seconds. I'm not talking about sci-fi, though. I'm talking about reality. I'm talking about God taking our lives and anything that is broken in it and transforming it into something miraculous, something shiny, something golden, something good. And he does it all the time. He does it. Look at trees. We're getting ready to see winter trees. Right before that, we'll get to see the beautiful fall leaves. You know, what's funny about fall and fall leaves is that the tree is getting ready to go into a deep hibernation. It's basically going to look like it's dead for a couple months in the winter. A, a summer tree and a winter tree look very different. It transforms for the, for the surroundings. It becomes what it needs to be for the conditions of the weather and for the season that it's in. If you live in a Midwest state like we do, you see the seasons change all the time. Well, humanity's not different. We have seasons that we go through all the time. And, and just like grace to grace and glory to glory, it's transformation to transformation for whatever the season is calling for in your life. Whatever God is trying to bring you into from where you were, there's a transformation taking place. And I can tell you this, a lot of times that kind of transformation, I mean, when you come in a building like this, you're going to get a good word today. I believe God's speaking to my heart. I'm going to speak to yours the best that I can. When you worship like that, God is meeting us in the room when we're worshiping. And there's something powerful about that. And you're seeing other people that are going on on a journey. You're watching. You know some of the details. You're observing with just like wonder and awe that, that God loves us as he finds us and that we're not afraid to step forward and grab a hold of his hand again. You know, those things are powerful. But most transformation takes place in private with you and God. The things we talk about here, you know, that you're sitting in a room with other people, you're, you know, or you're listening online, and there's, there, if you're listening online, you actually have an advantage, because you can, you can walk away and go to the floor, and as a matter of fact, you can do that too, while you're sitting here, go find yourself a little nook, if God ever speaks to your heart, but you have, a, you have an opportunity then to take the word that's being spoken, because God's love the world, he gave us pastors and evangelists and prophets and teachers, you know, to serve you with good things and good teaching. To, to take it into your heart and then go away and let God transform you in private. That's how he does it. 
if you look at the life of, of like a butterfly, it's the, it's the ultimate idea of transformation because a butterfly is actually two creatures that we see. We see caterpillars and we see butterflies, right? They're two completely different things. They have two completely different vantage points. A caterpillar is yay big and it goes inch by inch along life. And if you ever see one, you're witnessing a miracle because they're not that old or they're not in that state for very long. What you mainly see are butterflies. And, and in humanity, we want to be the same way. We, we want to go from, we want to just be the butterfly. Just witness me fly. Witness me in flight with all my wings and the great span and how beautiful they are. Now remember, a butterfly is this big, okay? And, and all of the things I'm going to tell you here really quick about a butterfly is the every detail that goes into the life of a butterfly who only lives like a season if they're lucky. Imagine your life and all the transformation that has to take place in your life. You live way more than a season. If we're lucky, we'll get 100 years, you know? So God is always working on transformation. Before I show you the pictures of the butterfly, I want you to, want you to put one thought in your head. Okay, do you know what a mantra is? A mantra is like something for the mind. It's a tool that your mind uses where you rehearse something over and over and over again until you believe it and until you're practicing it. A lot of religions have mantras for their life. Like they'll write out, you know, some word that means peace and let's just say peace. What if you just in your life got up every morning and said, peace, be still, peace, be still. What if you started to practice that in your life? I'm talking about transformation. I'm setting your brain in a place that you're going to be able to receive everything else that we talk about. Because if, if you are aware or if you're not, you're creating mantras all the time. If you wake up every day or every day you find yourself rehearsing, man, I hate my body. I just hate my body. I hate it. I hate my body. That's probably a thought that you had before, yesterday and the day before and the day before. Or, or you say, man, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. It's just never going to work. It's never going to happen. I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to get Like what you do is you, 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 make a, you make a thought that you've had yesterday and you had it the day before and the day before, and it becomes a mantra. That's what a mantra is. It's something you live on, something you think and something you believe. Well, in your brain, you guys have seen pictures of a brain, what it looks like. It's like every time you have a thought, it makes a little groove on your brain. That's why those grooves are so deep as you get older. It's all the thoughts that you've had all the days of your life. Because some of the stuff that we're talking about is science today, but some of the stuff we're talking about is faith. And it will all come down to what you believe and how you live out what you believe. And part of what you believe is what you say. And if you're constantly rehearsing a negative thought, your negative thoughts are already, there's so many automatic negative thoughts in your head. It just, negative thoughts will just, they'll just grow and they stay. You know, you have to change what you're thinking and accept a new thought to remove the old thought so that you can indeed transform. So I have this little video of, a, of the life of a butterfly. And I want to look at it. We can play it a couple of times if you want. Um, let me find this really quick. So a butterfly has some interesting things. This is like sped up, but... You know, I just studied the monarch butterfly because it lasts, it lives the longest. Butterflies can only live just a couple weeks, some of them. But you see quite a few fluttering around. So just keep looking at the video over and over again. And it's like, when a monarch butterfly is born, it exists for one purpose that we can find scientifically. 
and it's not to please you with its beautiful wings and flying around. That's just a byproduct. But monarch butterflies, all they do is reproduce. They reproduce, and they lay eggs. They can lay between 100 and 300 eggs in their lifetime, which can be two to six weeks if they're born in the early spring. But a monarch has an interesting thing. It can live a whole season, eight or nine months, if it's born at the end of the season. If it's born at the end of the season, it, the weather turns colder. There's not a, enough nutrition out there to help them create and become like a sexually reproductive creature just yet. So they hibernate, and they automatically know to do it. Oh, it's not my time yet. I can't do what I was born to do, so I'm going to flit over here. And if they're from this region where we live in the Midwest, they're going to go south. And they're going to migrate for the winter and then come back and then lay more eggs. So they lay eggs. That's their whole purpose is to reproduce. Isn't it interesting that they instinctively know what to do when they're this big? And we wander around trying to figure out what to do when we're this big. And, and our brain is a billion times the size of one little creature of a butterfly. But I think sometimes we do instinctively know what to do. We just, well, that's another, that's another story. So the, so the monarch lays these eggs, all right? lays the tiny eggs, and the, the egg will be on the back of a leaf most of the time. And it only stays in an egg stage for three or four days. Three or four days, and then it becomes a little larva, or caterpillar is the word, but it's amazing how fast the larva, the caterpillar, changes. Because a caterpillar is a caterpillar for about 10 or 14 days. You can look all this stuff up on Google. I looked on the National Forest Information and Report, but 10 or 14 days, and you witness it? Do you ever see a little caterpillar crawling around? You are witnessing a miracle. It's only going to be there for a couple of weeks at the top. And the particulars of the monarch butterfly are the stripes on it. Some other interesting things. How are you gonna, wh why are you talking about butterflies? Because I want you to understand that you're not different in many ways, except you're bigger and you're more complex, okay? But the transformation process is the same if you have ears to hear with the spirit. A little caterpillar with all those little stripes, if it's a monarch butterfly caterpillar, it molts its skin five times in, in two weeks. Five times it thinks it's getting ready to go. Five times it's changing. Five times it's outgrown its little larva skin. Five times. But the last time when it's time to actually get in the, get, get ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to do it now, I'm ready to step out, it goes into then what we call a chrysalis or a little cocoon, the pupa stage. Tiny little hanging basket full of butterfly on the backside of a branch or a leaf most of the time. I mean, I find these things a wonder, and I hope that you will too, and I hope that you'll think enough that God loves you so much that every time you're molting through your skin and your process and your destination and you're trying to figure out where you're supposed to land, that he is in charge of that and that he is bringing transformation. And when you think it's time to shine and you end up in a cocoon where you can't even breathe, you know what time it is then? It's time to wriggle. It's time to force it. It's time to wriggle through. It's time to insist that the word of God is true. It's time to stand on what God said to you. And it's time to press down and get yourself up and out of the thing that's trying to hold you down. Because that is the life of transformation that God so loved the world to bring us. I'm going to read a couple scriptures to us. We won't break them down. You guys want to stand up for the word? Just a few scriptures won't be too long. You can lean into them. 
and I will read. 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, we all, that's all of us, who have unveiled faces. Remember when Moses went up to the mountaintop to see God and he came down and he had all that glory and radiance on him? The people were like, you're too shiny and we can't really take that in. Go ahead and cover your face. And Moses did it. I would have been like, look away. You know, but Moses did it. He covered his face. But we who have unveiled faces are still contemplating the Lord's glory. And we are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. We are being transformed into the image of the likeness of Jesus himself. Just take a breath and listen to what I just said. You are being transformed if you're in. If you're leaning in with your posture, you're being transformed into the image of his likeness. Secondly, scripture says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world like everybody else, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Well, how do we do that? I'm glad you asked because if you can renew your mind and you can take out the negative thoughts and put in some good thoughts, your mind won't keep that same old trash in it. It'll have something new that you can think on that you can grow through. And then you're going to know what the will of God is. Scripture says, and when you know what the will of God is and you're all in and then you lean into it and then you do it, you start to transform from little bug to amazing creature that can fly with a completely different vantage point. Second Thessalonians, this doesn't have, doesn't have the word transformation, but listen to it. It says, may God direct, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. May the Lord direct you into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Well, we've been studying the love of God. May God direct you into the perseverance of Jesus Christ, who endured a cross, who went into the depths and the bowels of the earth and hell and took back the keys of life and resurrected. That's some serious perseverance, and the Lord is leading you into that. Me? Yeah, you. Transformation power. And the last one for now Colossians 3.5 says, how do I get there? Well, here's part of it. You put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. It's like living contrary to what you want, think, and feel all the time. You guys, the way we take notes here is you just take a picture of the screen, and you can study on, on it later or write it down if that's how you want to do it. But feel free to take a picture of that and look at it through the week. You have to let go of the things that are your earthly-born nature and renew your mind and transform your thoughts. Yeah, what are those things? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Those are idolatry. Anything that comes before him will forbid you from being transformed. You can sit down. Much of this transformation happens where? In private, on the backside of the branch. It's a powerful thing that we're trying to get through here. You know, I think a lot of times, too, we look for people to love us and bring our transformation. We look at the way people are, and we want people to get in our lives, and, and being around you will transform me. That's just not, that's a, not a truth. Now, a mother's love can transform an infant into a toddler, you know. You can almost do that on your own with very little care. But a mother's love will speak identity to a child, and a mother's love will guard and nurture and raise up a baby. It's a powerful, transforming presence, but it's not God's love. God's love has not one blemish in it. It doesn't have one little flaw. I will tell you that if you're in, in relationships, this is just something I think we should say. When you're in relationships that are loving, that are people
people that are close to you. Look, I know we're talking about serious things, deep things. What do you want to talk about? The weather? You know, was this St. Louis? Who could talk about that? It's different every day. Let's talk about something that matters, something that causes us to actually get a glimpse of who he is and what he's done and how profound his love is for us. Let's talk about those things. And if it, it causes us to be in a place where we have to make changes in our lives, then we make changes in our lives. But I think we get so bored and just so common in the everyday life and we get so used to the way things are and maybe we're afraid to even step out you know man my my job is so horrible but I'm, what if my next job is worse I can't step out of this and maybe get into something worse I mean, this relationship and situation is just so horrible and wrong but what if the next thing I do is worse see we get so paralyzed by the unknown that we just stick in the mundane in the regular in the boring I'll just speak this the relationships we have that love us, people that love us, that are in our lives, they should cause us to level up in every way. We should level up. Our financial state should get better when you're around people and you have a people group that surrounds you. You should just level up with them. As they're leveling up, you're leveling up. Socially, you know, what you post, what you say, what you look at on social media, all those things, you should be leveling up. Speaking things that are more profound, listening to things that are more profound, right? Your body should be getting more fit if you're in the right people group. If those things aren't happening in, in your regular human life, take a look at where you're spending your time because we should be leveling up. Now, having said all of that, the Apostle Paul talks about renewing the mind, changing the mind in Romans 12 too. That, that we should transform our minds by the word of God. Well, I think a lot of times we think, well, once my life is transformed, then my mind will be renewed. You know, go ahead, God. Just do your magic and, you know, genie blink me from that caterpillar to that butterfly, and then I'll think better, and then I'll think right. But that's not the way. When you're born into the world, you, most of us come out head first. To be born again and to move into the things that God has for us, it's going to be your head first. Thoughts become things. The way that you think and the way that you look at life and the way that you follow after it, your thoughts will, will lead your life, and your life will follow your thoughts. What are you thinking about? Here's a couple of things I wrote down I thought were profound to say. When, when your mind is changed, your life will be transformed. So remember this, where your mind goes, your life follows. Now you have to switch your mantra, and you have to get the right mantra in your brain and say the right things over and over again to take place of, you know, the ugly things. Here's how we say it here. I don't teach you that you're a sick person trying to get well. I teach you that you are the redeemed of the Lord, and you are well, and you're defending your health. That's a different posture. You have to flip the switch Man, I used to be that, but now I'm this. I used to think of myself as a slave to this world, but now I've become a son or daughter of the Most High God. And so I don't live as a mere servant. I'm a soldier now. Which army do I belong to? I don't think of myself as little anymore. I think of myself as mighty because he who's, who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world, right? That doesn't mean people. It's the enemy that we overcome. I don't think of you as a person trying to get free, I think of you as the free, moving against bondage, right? Stop making your mind a sidewalk that the enemy can just trample up and down. Let your mind serve you. Your mind is powerful. It's your servant. It's going to serve your flesh or your spirit. 
but you have to pick. I have seven steps really quick on renewing your mind. Seven ways that you can change your mind. I got this right out of a psychology article. I love to study psychology. I like to hear, you know, I like to learn what makes people tick and what makes people think the way they do and what caused that kind of thinking and what, what happened in us that caused that thing to be fractured in me and, and how do I overcome that and how do I get better because I always want to go from glory to glory myself. I always want to be transforming into the next thing that God has for me. So number one, stop waiting for an outside miracle. Stop waiting for an outside source to come and rescue. You know, get your own horse. Get on it and ride it. Don't wait for somebody else to say the right thing or do the right thing. You make a move. It's going to happen between you and God before it happens anywhere else, okay? If you, if you keep yourself, like, if you tell yourself this kind of a thought all the time, but, well, the reason that, you know, my mind is so negative is because my life is hard. Well, maybe your life is hard because your mind is negative. So change the way you think. <laughs> You're laughing because you know what I'm saying is true. That is a true thing. And it's, it's almost comical how we can continue to go through the same Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday when God makes everything new. Right? You're not going to have miracles in your life regularly if your mind is chaotic mess. Okay. Number two, stop believing that you can't control your thoughts. You guys, we've taught this so many times here. This is another lie that comes. We think, well, I can't control my thoughts. They just come. They overtake me. It's very clear in scripture that God expects us to control our thought life. It's very clear. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, and if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about that. That's what he says. He also gives us Psalm 1, you know, blessed is the one who doesn't walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, what God's word says, what God is speaking to us through the Bible, and who meditates on that day and night. That person, they're like a tree planted by streams of water and yields fruit in season. Its leaf doesn't wither, and whatever they do prospers. It's pretty clear. God expects you to take thoughts captive. Your mind is your servant. It's going to serve your flesh or your spirit. Number three, what you feed your mind becomes its mindset. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. So it's impossible to change your mindset without putting something new in. Okay? Let's see if the, I don't want to mess this up. Let me see. Okay. The only way to change your, your default and your automatic is to add something new to it. And I think one thing we can do to, to remedy this is to at least give God equal time. Give praise equal time that you give complaining. Give worship the equal time that you give yet that show that, you know, turns you on, okay? Give, give the Bible equal time to the fantasy books that we read. <laughs> give God equal presence in our lives, okay? And give the opportunity for the new to overtake the old right? You can do it. You can do that. The science is going to happen anyway. You're going to transform. You're going to go by the way of God or the way of the world. It's going to happen. As you, as you grow and you develop, you, you grow mindsets, you develop strongholds. They're either going to follow God's pattern or the world's pattern. 
but you have to you have to choose it. God is doing the transformation. You have to be agreeable to as well. Step four, confess what you believe, not what you feel. It's a little different. I like this one, okay? Like, we confessed Jesus as our Lord and Savior when we weren't saved. We confessed that, and we believed it. And then we stepped into a lifestyle of salvation. When Christ died for us when we were still sinners. But we believed it, and then we began to move toward the light. We're the moth drawn to his proverbial flame. He is the consuming fire that we move toward, right? But we didn't believe it in the beginning, but then we said it, and then we started to move toward it. So what, what I believe now, I believe that God's truths are greater than my reality. I believe what God wrote in the word overrides what I'm going through. That's why I can be at home. I could be full, you know, full of fear. Something might be raging on the inside of me, full of fear. But I will speak life and I will speak peace until fear subsides and peace rules. That's the way it happens. You're, you have all of this. This is when we say, phenomenal, cosmic power, itty-bitty living space. This is how we live our lives. We believe that these things that God has given us are in our hand. They're tangible for us to use in our lives. We just have to do it. Jesus did that in the wilderness, you know. The devil's speaking to him about, hey, Jesus is hungry. His reality is he's hungry. So the enemy goes, hey, why don't you make some bread out of this stone? Jesus could do it. He can do anything. But he doesn't. He brings the word back to the situation that overrides what he's going through in his physical body that says, I'm not going to live by bread alone. I'm going to go ahead and live by what God's speaking and what God is saying. So you get what I'm saying. Speak what you believe rather than what you feel. Number five, resist negative thoughts. Assist positive thoughts. Okay? Negative thoughts will come and stay. You've got to shoo them out. Positive thoughts are like an eternal game of keepy-uppy. Do you know what that is? Keepy-uppy. I learned this from a little cartoon. Me and my nephew watched this the other day. It's called Bluey. And they blow up a balloon, and they keepy-uppy keep the balloon up. Positive thoughts are like that because we, we, man, we just absorb them. As soon as we hear them, as soon as we feel them, we absorb that positive energy. We absorb it. You got to keep feeding that positive. You got to keep feeding it. You know, positivity is a powerful thing. Did you ever get around somebody that is an eternal optimist? Everything they say is positive and, and you have a negative rebuttal for every positive, <laughs> you know, every positive thing they throw out. It's like, Try to be the positive. Try to look for it. An eternal game of keepy-uppy. It's fun. You let it happen, and you shoo the negative away at the same time. Second Corinthians says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that would set itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I heard Joyce Meyer say this one time. Yeah, we're still quoting her. We like her. You cannot stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. Okay. A thought might come, a negative thing might get in front of your eyes, but you don't have to take it in. You just shoo it away. That's pretty powerful. Don't use your mouth as a thermometer. Use it as a thermostat. Don't just go around and report what the situation is in front of you. Change it with your verbiage and your mouth and your words. You, you walk into a situation and people are negative, grumbly, fault-finding, complaining. Why don't you come in with some encouragement? And start with compliments. That's easy. People love it when you talk about them. You know, say something. I love that dress on you, man. I, I, dude, you've been so faithful in your attendance. Thank you for your service. Whatever you say, you can change the temperature rather than just reporting what it is, okay? You have to eliminate the negative, accentuate the positive. Number six, celebrate the process. You know, even God took a rest. You get in a, 
just tell yourself, I'm going to be all right. Tell yourself, self, you're going to be okay. And you're going to be better than okay because you're transforming into the image of the likeness of Jesus. All right? Are you getting this? Celebrate the process. Take a minute and give yourself a break. You know? You are the apple of the eye of God. You are altogether lovely. Even the men. You're lovely, men. Thank you for be just being in the house. It's like you belong to him, and he's transforming you into his likeness. So celebrate the process. God took off on the seventh day. That's good. It's, it's a worthy note, too, that God never compares, like, the mess of creation or, you know, how, how, must, how must that have looked to take a rib out of Adam's side and make a woman from it? He never compares the mess of creation with the glory of heaven, ever. They're two different things. So don't compare what you're going through with your neighbor and what they're going through. Don't compare your life to my life. It's a different life. Compare your life to your life and go from glory to glory to glory, all right? Celebrating along the way. Philippians says, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will what? Yeah, bring it to completion all the way till the day of Jesus. It's pretty profound. Number seven, and lastly, set your expectation. Expect miracles. If you aim for nothing, you get it every time. We say that around here, okay? Don't let your imagination create a negative outcome. You know, sometimes people tell me they wake up in the morning with these evil forebodings. Like they have these ideas that something bad is going to happen today. Well, I know that's not going to work out. First thing they think, well, man, go back to bed, start over. Ask God to renew your thinking so that you can wake up with a positive outcome of what the day might bring to your life. God has to transform your thoughts so that they become agreeable to his will. And then your plans get established, and then you have success. That one's not in there, but I think it's Proverbs 16.3. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. Don't wake up and let the day take over. And if it tries, that's just a bad thought. It doesn't have to have the whole day. Knock that down. Expectation is the breeding ground for the miraculous. And I just want to close with this kind of an idea. You know, we're studying some of Song of Solomon in Our Ladies group, and I encourage you to come if you haven't, haven't had an opportunity to do that yet. But Solomon wrote that everything is vanity. Everything is vanity. This is the wisest man. That's what he asked God for when he's allowed to ask God for a gift and he asks for wisdom. And he writes, everything's vanity. You know, he's like, there's nothing new under the sun. It's all vanity. I mean, it's very depressing. You know, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, it's just like, wow. And I just thought, well, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that there's nothing new under the sun. Some things are the same, but what I do know is that if you just, if you, if you don't buy in or lean in to the will and way of God, if you are not living a God life, then yeah, you're just born into the created order of the world. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The sun rises, the sun sets. Nothing new there. Sometimes it rains, sometimes it's sunny. This is the way we go to work. This is the way we come home every day. But when you lean in to who God is and you lean in to his creative nature, life is not mundane because you're tracking with the maker of heaven and earth. You're tracking with someone who says, behold, all things are new. You're tracking with someone that says, I can carve a way that makes a river in a desert. 
I am a creative force, and we're tracking with him, so all things are new. I've become a new creature, a new creation in Christ from glory to glory. Everything's new. Everything. You don't have to keep living every single day in the mundane and the norm of society that is afraid, that is trembling, that doesn't know what the future holds. Our God knows what the future holds. He's not nervous. Our God is a creative force, and there are new pages to be turned, and there are new days ahead. You are the new. You are the new, being transformed into the image of his likeness. Why don't you stand up, and I'll read a couple of scriptures over you, and I'll let you get out of here, and I'll pray for us, too. Some encouraging scriptures to lend you for the day. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come in case you just thought that I made that up. Secondly, I will give you a new heart. New, new, new. I will give you a new spirit. I'll put a new spirit within you, and I'll remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Brand new, baby. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And by testing it, you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Philippians 1, 6. I'm sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus. Psalm 139, here's your prayer. Search me, God. Search me out and know my heart and try my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me, God, and lead me in the way everlasting. Transform me, God. Some people believe in mind over matter. This isn't that message. It could sound like it. Can I just do all this with my own mind? You know, some, someone kind of close to me recently was telling me that they They've gotten into meditation. Well, I meditate. I meditate on God's word. I meditate on scripture. I meditate on what God is doing in the earth. But they were telling me they meditate. And I was like, well, is that about, is that about God? Or, you know, what, what is that? No, it's my breathing. I just breathe. I count for the four count breaths. And I get, bring myself into calmness so I won't have any anxiety. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's profound. And that is good. And it does do some earthly good for you to ground yourself and to be able to think. But there's a way of a man that seems right, but in the end it just leads to death anyway. It leads to destruction. But there's a way of God that transforms us from something broken into something beautiful, something small that goes inch by inch to something that flies with the bird's eye view, and it's transformation. And I'm praying for this church and for you to have a transformation of your inner man, that something will happen on the backside of a branch even this day between you and God. For God so loved the world, he gave us transformation. God, would you put your hand on us? Sometimes all we can see is the dark. Sometimes, God, all we can see is the void or the places that are missing. God, forgive us for that kind of thinking when we are bought with a price and we belong to you. God, would you make this word stir inside of our heart? Would you help us to lay our head on the bed and help it resonate over and over, resound over and over in our hearts and minds, God, that we are yours? that we are being transformed into the image of your likeness and that it's uncomfortable in this cocoon and would you please get me out? God, help us not to lose strength as we wriggle our way out because the wriggling produces the effect, the butterfly effect. God, bring your transformation to the house, to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. See you next time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to like and follow for the next installment of The Loft Podcast. If you want to be a partner with Aloft, you can give on Givelify.com. If you need more information, check us out on Facebook or at theloftgathering.com. 
And of course, join us 1030 Sunday mornings. Hope you have a great week. Till next time.